Hi guys, welcome back to the Purple Stethoscope. This is a different episode this week, a special live recorded episode. There will be a great conversation with four, count on one, two, three, four guests. I'm not going to say any more. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Uh, <laughs> tell me what's the connection in here. It's on? It's good? Hey, so I am Devin, aka Dina MP, and we're doing something this week with a podcast we're actually going to record live and this week we have three university students with us I'll let them introduce themselves Um, but it's almost back to school time Um, so let me introduce well I'll let you all introduce yourselves including Dr. Ledbetter and you can just well next okay so I am Dr. Cicelina Grocer Ledbetter and I'm an executive director of counseling health and wellness Hey, folks. Uh, I'm Taylor Stafford. I'm 25. I'll be studying English literature this fall, and I'll be getting a Woodring Master's in Teaching program after I finish my prerequisites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Mariah. I'm 21. Um, I'm going back to school after taking a break and finishing up my associate's degree. My name is Michelle Robinson. I'm 22 years old, and um, this fall I'll be beginning my second year of nursing school. That is incredible. I just want to remind you guys that we are doing the audio as well for the podcast taping, so mm-hmm. make sure that you project your voices. But really, this is all about hearing from you. Um, I don't know who's on, I don't know who's watching, and I don't know who's going to listen to the podcast, but it could be parents, it could be other students, it could be people who are in situations like yours and really, really struggling and would love to hear that they're not alone and kind of what you all are going through. Can we start by just talking about what were your expectations coming into college? Uh, I could go first. Um, I really, so I, I, like I said, I have my undergrad degree, excuse me, I got my bachelor's and my associates. Um, but during that time, I really, I got dropped off in Arizona freshman year. Um, I didn't really have too many expectations. Uh, I just was just going to see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I can't say that I had any expectations. And I was an athlete, so I expected basketball to go well. I'll say that. <laughs> I have to say that. But, yeah, I didn't re- really have too many expectations. I will say that, um, you know, when I was finishing high school, leaving Oak Harbor, I knew I was going to be moving here to Bellingham. And I thought it was going to be kind of like a like a transformative experience for me. Like, I thought that just almost overnight I was going to become like this totally entirely different person like the confidence would be there I would have a pretty uh, strong sense of myself and just like this person that I always wanted to be I thought that just immediately I would become that person I was going to be sure of my place in the world and even just at that school and yeah, I just thought it was going to be great. <laughs> so. And you're a nursing student. And I'm so. a nursing student, yeah. <laughs> a whole different piece. How about you, Mariah? Um, I didn't really 
have any expectations except for I felt expected to go to college. Coming from <laughs> mm. coming from Bellingham, you know, from even like middle school age, they're taking you on tours to different campuses and showing you like different things and so it was just really just kind of like, oh, I'm supposed to do that. That's the next step. Wow. What surprised you guys when you did get to college and you enrolled in your classes and started going? What was surprising to you about about that actual experience versus your expectations? Uh, something that was surprising was just uh, everyone's there doing the same thing, um, whether playing a sport or just going to school. So I thought you can't really separate yourself. Everyone's doing the same thing. So you have to work 10 times as hard as the next person, whether it be an athlete or just a student, because they all, they're there for a reason. They worked hard just like you worked hard. So yeah, it was just, that was surprising. Um, but I think I handled everything else pretty well, I would say. But um, yeah, just that dynamic of everyone's here doing the same thing. We're all in this the same space and um we do the same thing every day i don't know and you are you moved right yeah you, yeah. you went significantly far from mm -hmm. your growing up home yeah. so was there any surprises there uh no so i'm originally from chicago uh moved to minnesota then i went to junior college in arizona so i was ready i was ready to get out and um i strive on being independent even at 18 but it did hit me when my dad dropped me off at the dorm. I was like, where are you going? I want to come with you. He's like, nope, you got to stay here. So my dad did a good job of instilling independence in me. And, um, yeah, I kind of just was like, all right, put my big boy shoes on and just <laughs> went along with the process. It was beautiful, though. Did either of you, like, all your friends went away and you didn't go away? Yeah, Can me. you speak yes. to that? Yes, yes. <laughs> um... I don't know, I feel like that kind of made me feel a little more lost because in, like, high school when people are putting their universities up on paper and the board and stuff and you see everybody's going to which way, Brown, Princeton, all those places, and I'm just like, I'm going to walk, I'm, I'm staying here. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of felt like, I don't know, it felt like I was, like, a lower tier than my peers just because mm. I was just going to a community college and I was staying home. But I wanted to stay home. I like staying close to family. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I can really relate to that. I think, you know, I, I was excited to be somewhat away from home, but at the same time, I knew I wasn't ready to go to a different state or even to be more than like an hour or two away from home just because uh, security is really important for me, like when I'm learning, like for me to be in a totally different environment with totally different people without like some familiarity mm -hmm. to cling to, I feel like I would have really struggled um, as a freshman, especially, so yeah. yeah. Dr. Ledbetter, do yeah. you see much of a difference between the students coming through that are in their, you know, in the town they grew up in versus students that come from far away? I think it it so depends on what the student needs, and so yeah. some students um, are ready to get up and get out and you know, spread their wings and move far away from home. And then there are others that are just going to thrive a lot more if they stay closer to home, sort of mm -hmm. like you, Michelle. And so it's an individual thing. It yeah. really kind of depends on 
what you've been prepared for. So, mm-hmm. Taylor, you were ready to go. Mm-hmm. You knew. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? you were ready to spread your wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is no one-size-fits-all. Right. There is no one-size-fits-all. Right. And I think the key is for both parents and for kids to know your student so that you know whether you're pushing a student that needs to stay close or you're holding back a student that needs to spread their wings. And so I think I have a question, which is when you think about the community that you landed in, was that community ready for you? Mm, And that's a great question. What did that look like (laughs) for you? What did ready mean when you landed on campus? How did the community receive you? I feel like very quickly certain attributes about myself that I prided myself with or or I prided, I felt proud of, just turned into insecurities. You know, um, from even like my hair, the color of my skin, the way I, in the right setting, have kind of a strong personality. Those things sort of switched and I feel as though I was treated differently because of those things and I felt like I needed to change like is it okay for me to be who I am I questioned that more when I got here and you know earlier I mentioned like I wanted to be that more confident individual um and to grow and I feel like I went from being myself to becoming like two feet high and I really struggled and I And that's when I turned more to my parents. You know, I moved away and it was a choice that I made and I was happy at first. And then I found myself spending the night at my parents' house instead of staying in my dorm. Like I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel secure. I didn't feel like I was in the right headspace to learn. So I was commuting to and from Bellingham from Oak Harbor because I just felt so different so alone so much like the environment on campus was not inviting for me so that is so real and just for the people listening who don't know this is like an over an hour commute yeah this is not like oh i'm staying at mom's house 20 minutes away and then come no this is gas money (laughs) this is second job to be able to make that trip um, what do you think that the the students or the administrators, like what would have made it more welcoming and more of an environment that you would have thrived in? I think, um, you know, it's, I feel like some of it should have come from within myself mm-hmm. to reach out and to look for um support where I needed it within um, amongst my classmates but then also I feel like I was kind of being avoided by some people in my class even even some simple microaggressions like no one wanted to sit by me no one would invite me to be in their study group no one really you know I felt like the I felt like the elephant in the room and all it would have taken was like one or two people to just you know make me feel or at least do what they can to make me feel like I belong. Like, yeah. come sit by me. Come say hi. I'm mm-hmm. often told that I look very, I don't know, standoffish, aggressive, Same. and I don't know how much Same. of that, Same. or com- yeah. I don't know how much of that. There is comes nothing from- aggressive about you. <laughs> you have ever yeah. been told that you yeah. look aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. That is a microaggression, right? A macroaggression. Right. That is bull. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Mariah, you look like you were identifying with. Um, 
just like, yeah, they just kind of feel out of place, you know, just little, like little things. Like my first, um, my first class that I took at Wacom kind of showed me, I was like, hmm, I don't know if this is like the greatest thing because I had a professor who was kind of, he was old and he was white and it was his last year, so he really didn't care. I felt like, <laughs> I feel like he just really didn't care. But like during, um, but like during one of, we were talking about like race and something like that. And then like just in the middle of class, he like was talking about, we ended up like talking about attraction and things like that. And he like told me, me, I remember it, 16 years old, first class, first time ever being on a college campus. And he was just like, you know that like black guys find white girls more attractive, right? And I was like, mm. no, what? Yeah. Uh, wow. and like, like he put me on the spot. Like he was like, you agree with me? So I like did because I was 16 and sure. I didn't like know whether to like say my mind or not. And I was just like, okay, yeah. So, like, ever since then, I've kind of been, like, I don't know if this is for me or not. At least this mm. space. One person <laughs> and one ignorant statement and a whole person questioning if college is even for you. Yeah. Wow. Um, my experience was completely different because I was a, a athlete, student athlete. Uh, I went to three schools during my undergrad and... Um, each school I went to, because I was a student athlete, it conformed to me and uh, my team. So I had brothers, you could say, um, 10, 11 brothers, because we all went through practice, the hardships together. So if I saw them on campus, I could talk to them and mm -hmm. sit with them at lunch. And I knew, of course, it's things that I couldn't share. But if it was like, oh, this homework assignment, did you finish it? Or I could, I had someone to talk to about that, my teammates. Yeah. So. Um, it was very different. I, I just felt like I didn't have to um, adjust really to any environment because I knew I was on a basketball team. And right. we know the stigma that goes behind basketball players, and especially when you're doing well on the team or just your team's doing well, um, that status is magnified. Yeah. And you just kind of like the, a celebrity, so you to say. came in with community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I'm just going to go right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you saw young women mm -hmm. on the campus, young mm -hmm. black women, because my understanding is all of you went to predominantly white institutions, yes? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. yes. When you saw young, like a young black woman on campus, if you were walking by, did you say hello? Or uh, did you stay with your, with your group? Um, more or less. Yeah. Um, I, during my undergrad, I was really to myself, um, like Michelle spoke about, just trying to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. I had that community, but I still would be to myself. But I, if I was with my boys, I'm probably going to speak because that's that energy, that extra testosterone that was needed in that moment. But if I was by myself, maybe not, maybe. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. When I was young in this area, and this totally changed, my husband and I talk about this all the time, we would never walk past another black person without saying hello, without acknowledging them and saying hello, because we knew it was just us out here. So there was no, it was unheard of. And then when we had children, and we saw how our children, we'd be like, whoa, whoa, did you just, did you not see her? Did you not see him? And it was different, and I don't know, I, I still can't figure out, that's not even what this episode is about, but I just wanted to ask because I'm like, did the kids come back around, or is it still, is it still that way? Did you all, did you too find community with, with 
you know, at school? And if you did, what did you find your community to be? Mm. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. That is. Um, I feel like I mostly kind of started hanging out with the other students who seemed to be kind of like to themselves. They didn't really have like other people in the class like talking to them. I, I really didn't have support until I went out of my way to find somebody else who seemed like they were lost or they were alone. And um, yeah, it was, um, otherwise I didn't really, I, I never really feel like I, I never felt like I had a large community of people. It was always just like one or two people I could talk to and we could just confide in each other. And that was, that was about it. Well, in nursing school, don't get too close to them. Because if they don't pass them tests, they're not going to be there the next semester. <laughs> um, what about you, Mariah? Have you found community? Um, I found more of a community, surprisingly, when I stopped going to school. So I know, I know, that's not what you want to hear. But, <laughs> but that's just how it was. Like, when I was just working, I felt like... I was almost like a little more respected by adults because I was just like, I was just working and grinding and kind of just like, you know, I'm, I'm out here doing my stuff, trying to support myself. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because their kids then came back home. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So they're looking at you like, yes, baby. (laughs) You go, girl. You're doing it. So working was kind of like all my, um, like even my team members at Starbucks, they're so supportive and so nice. Not so much when I was working retail, but, like, even still, like, when I... <laughs> she gonna throw her little shade. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that because, I mean, now that I really think about it, I think my biggest supporters are people that I don't go to school with. Wow. Like, coworkers mm-hmm. or yeah. friends of friends. They are more invested in, you know, our friendship or even just doing what they can to help me succeed in the program. Like, hey, maybe we can study together. Maybe we can do some flashcards together. We're not in the same class, yeah. but we can test each other mm-hmm. on the other person's content. Yeah. I feel like um, I found a lot more support in that sense from people I don't go to school with. Mm-hmm. Are they people of color? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we think about, um, that we talk about a lot, administrators, right, is how can we support students? And I heard you talk a lot about community. Mm -hmm. And we're often, I mean, we're not as much as we like to think we are. We're not in your community, but we talk a lot about what can we do? How can we support? What do we need to build? How can we insert our, you know, our will into being able to provide that space? When you think about what you didn't get and think about the conversations that we have about being able to support you, what are we missing? Do you think we're missing something about being able to serve you? Like, we can't be in the lunchroom and sort of say, hey, you go over there and sit and talk with Michelle. We can't do that. (laughs) But are we missing something that we can do better? Um, I could say, I don't know, we spoke briefly having lunch but um just the uh language and when we think of an administrator or we think of someone who's in a a position of power Mm -hmm. and some of them kind of really stand on that position and the power that comes Mm -hmm. along with it and feel like okay if this student don't want to talk to me then fine 
because they should want to speak to me. But um, I feel like just being uh, relatable yeah. and um, yeah. just sharing your story also. And like, I wasn't always an administrator. I was once in your shoes. And then I feel like when you connect with a student like that, they'll share that with their friend, they'll share it with their community, right? Those one or two people, and then it'll build from there. Yeah. And from my experience, I feel like um, administrators try to uh, resolve things and not listen, mm -hmm. but I feel like that listening part is, or that aspect is paramount um, yeah. to a student's success. Yeah. That's what, that's how I feel about it. I think that's right on point. Yeah. That is right on point because, you know, I feel like there's this back conversation that we all had at the table mm -hmm. eating jalapenos. Thank <laughs> While you. I was still in the right, but that's okay. <laughs> but but you know, so so part of what what I'm hearing you say is that we just need to show up as human. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't see us that way because we don't show up telling our stories about how we were on college campus. You mm -hmm. and I first generation. Yeah. Right? Are you a first generation college student? I am. And that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. When you are the first Very one, you don't so. have a road map. Mm -hmm. So nobody tells you that when you're not feeling well for two weeks that you might be struggling with depression. Right. But more than 60% of students that leave college leave because of non-cognitive reasons or for depression and anxiety. And that's where mm. I see it. That's mm. right. Because I see young people in clinic, and I talk to a lot of young people in clinic, and they're not coming because of their grades. That's right. A lot of them aren't even coming, believe it or not, because they don't have the tuition. That's right. They are anxious. They're that's depressed. Right. They feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. They feel like... If they're true to themselves, they're going to fail somebody else, mom, dad, or, or whoever is rooting for them so strongly. And it's interesting because a lot of times it's certain people that come in. Mm -hmm. And it is the ones who know how the healthcare system works. And it is the ones who maybe are a little more affluent. But I know for every young person who comes in, there's dozens more who are not coming in. Mm -hmm. Because people will say, well, why would I make an appointment? I'm not sick. You know? Yeah. But if you're not feeling like yourself, that's sick for you. Right. right. And so seeing that all the time, and, and they'll say, they're so sweet. They say, I'm not asking for pills. And I'm like, good, because I wasn't going to give you any. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk about mindfulness, and we talk about, you know, um, safety, and we talk about relationships. One of the things that I notice with this age group, so much codependency happens in relationships, romantic relationships and mm -hmm. friend relationships, yeah. because people find their person and... You know, I'm listening to someone who has the world going for them and they're ready to throw it all away because of a breakup and they don't know how to operate in the world right. without their person. Right. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I, I can't help but revert to mommy in my head. I'm going, I just want to, no, no, he just wants one thing. Right? Others, the, you know, there'll be others. Yes, you're so young. But when it comes to holding you down when you're in the school setting, not outside of school, because I can tell you stories, but don't let me be a school administrator. Mm -hmm. right. I, um, I, I was a teen mother, and so I, um, I did Running Start, and I graduated. I became a medical transcriptionist, but I took a lot of years off, and I married, and I had kids, and then I went back at 28 
to a community college with 18-year-olds, you know, who were, you know, 18. (laughs) And um, it was serious. Going back as an older student, it was serious. I wasn't looking for no friends or nothing like that. We got to get this done. These kids are hungry. Yeah. You know, but what I still remember from the younger students on campus when I was there, it, it seemed like that codependency thing played such a role in whether or not they even came to class. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys feel like you have this goal in mind that come hell or high water, you're going to get to? Or do you feel like there are multiple different factors that will determine whether or not you reach your goal or not? I think there's definitely a lot of factors that go into it. And as much as I hate to admit it, I feel sometimes like the biggest obstacle that could keep me from reaching my goals is myself. It's mm. it's myself. Like, you know, as much as we tell ourselves, like we give ourselves like the positive self-talk, we try to zen, self-care, do whatever we can do to keep ourselves in the right headspace, I really struggle to keep myself in the right headspace. And what you were mentioning about codependency, the way I look at it is, like, I find my person who's, like, my security blanket Mm -hmm. or my teddy bear, and I don't want to let go. And, you know, right now that person is my mom. And I'm not saying that... I mean, I love my mom to death, and I do really value our relationship but I feel like sometimes, like, I question how much I'm doing it for her and how much I'm doing it for myself. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you don't want to let your security blanket, your teddy bear, down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then I just really struggle to rein it in sometimes mm-hmm. and to keep that focus on what I'm trying to do. So... Um, I couldn't agree with Michelle. Um, it's yourself. Oh, excuse me. It's yourself stopping you from completing your goals that you have, and um, the codependency factor. Yes, because I love to be in love, and I don't trust a lot of people at all. So when I meet my person, I want to give her all my baggage, all my flaws, and hope that she has, uh, she can help me in some way, form, or fashion. And then once I release it, I can move on. But um. Yeah. I feel like that's when you have when you find your person and you putting all your baggage onto her or him, they also have baggage. So it's like where do they run to share it and yeah, but I struggle with a lot of things, mental health uh issues as well and um not trusting people magnifies it. Mm-hmm. So it magnifies that codependency. So when you do um lose someone you love or your mom or whatever it may be when you don't depend on them no more they're not there now you're really struggling because it's like now I really gotta zen my um, feelings or whatever and try to positive self talk and everything but it's a constant struggle it's a constant struggle Mariah you've been quiet well uh, well, no I just wanted to talk about the codependency because when I first moved out of my parents' house. I moved out. I'm still in the same town, but I moved out when I was 18. And um, I definitely would cling on to friends. And whenever, like, they excelled in something or, like, they would move away, it kind of felt like a hurt, like, why'd you leave me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So during, like, this gap year, I really wanted to, like, focus on me and, like, myself. So, like, I've 
worked through a whole bunch of that, which I really appreciate because now I wanted to make sure before I got into a relationship that I'm okay being by myself because I hated being by myself for the longest time. I didn't like it. I didn't like like myself. So I just wanted to be oh, around gosh. other people. I know. I hear Michelle, I hear you like, I don't want to let this person down. And I hear Mariah saying, I didn't like to be alone. And I hear you saying, like, I didn't trust nobody. And like, I mean, really, mothers, parents will say a lot of things like, you've got to do this. And if you ever want to do it, then you've got to do that. We really want y'all to be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew, who is behind the camera and the creative Shut director up. of the podcast, <laughs> the one question that I asked him when I was getting out of the car was, how's Mariah? Because that's all that matters to me. It's like, we're going to do this and, you know, it's going to be a tough conversation. And mm -hmm. I mean, we're going into the school year. It's September. It's here. When do you mm -hmm. start on the 24th. And when do you start? The 22nd. And you? 24th or 25th, yeah. Is your anxiety building as it comes closer to time to go back? Um, We talked about this uh, at lunch, but um, I haven't thought too much about it. Uh, through, throughout my life, I just know once you put, um, once you're like, oh, there's certain things. Like, you remember when you used to, when you was younger in middle school and you was getting ready for school, and uh, you got your outfit laid out mm -hmm. and everything, but you're still nervous, though. So I just try not to think about it. Um, in the days, it'll, it'll eventually it'll be the 25th, and then I'll deal with it once I get there. Not not thinking ahead helps me uh, a lot, it's living in the moment. People always ask me, oh, what are you doing on the weekend? I don't know. It's Tuesday. <laughs> I don't Amen. know. Amen. I don't know. I don't Amen. Know. So, yeah, but you also have some tools. Yeah. You've also used some pretty cool tools that have helped you helped you deal. Yeah. With anxiety and stress and all of that. Yeah. Share some of those. Uh, well, well basketball. Basketball. <laughs> meditation. Uh, oh. Yoga. Oh yes, Look meditation. Yes, meditation. Um, picked that up like, it's magnified over the last six months. But I first learned about it. Uh. About twelve months ago, yeah. I said that. Um, I practiced Islam. Um, my first Ramadan was I was uh, I was in Russia, and it was twenty eighteen, and um, that's when I I learned about that through a friend. But um, the universe, God has been um, throwing these different tools at me, and uh, meditation. I just recently got into hot yoga, but it all just keeps me calm. And in that moment when I meditate. When I'm doing hot yoga, I'm focusing on hot yoga. Right. So it applies to my life, yes. and I'm focusing on one thing at a time. Thank not you. saying it's easy, but... <laughs> That's yeah. great. Huge yeah. key That's to anxiety. Huge. Yeah. Because when you're anxious, your mind is ping, 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 That's ping, right. ping. <laughs> but wait, listen, I do hot yoga, too. I can't do more than that at one time. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think about more than that at one time. Yeah, it helps. It yeah. helps everything. Um, It's funny you say anxiety because... I'll share, I'll share this with um, doctor here, but um, I, I battle, I suffer with depression. Um, but I never thought about anxiety. Mm -hmm. But um, as I speak about different things, it makes sense. But yeah, I battle with it and um, meditating, hot yoga, um, it, it helps, it helps a lot. But I'm um, not trusting, that's the piece that I'm trying to um, 
get over, I guess. But it's so hard because my upbringing in Chicago and then just the dynamics moving to Minnesota. And it's feelings that become suppressed throughout the years because you don't face them head on. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, that just happened <laughs> yeah. last year. It won't affect me. <laughs> it, it will affect you. Yeah. It would affect yeah. you. But, yeah. I think y'all it's doing with the anxiety, the anticipatory anxiety, as we call it. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'll be honest. Like, I'm actually. I'm really excited for school. I love being a student. I love the content. The material really fascinates me. But I think the part that gives me the most anxiety is dealing with the sort of tension that's built over, built up over the last year. Um. I mean, the first year was, like, the hardest thing I've done so far. Wow. <laughs> there were so many tears. <laughs> yes. Never cried so much in my life. So, but this time I'm a little more prepared for the challenge in terms of the material. It, it's just the tension in the classroom that really gets to me. Can I tell um, you a secret? Hmm. It's any nursing school anywhere. Yeah. I don't know why. I do know why. I know why on this end. But they just make everything seem so much more tense and life or death and everything else. But if you learn to deal with that now, when you're in that situation, and that patient is looking at you with nothing but fear in their eyes, you'll be able to think through it. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to think through it and be assessing them while you're encouraging them and while you're reassuring them. And you'll be able to ask for what you need and say clearly, you know, what's going on while you're working through that tension. So just embrace it because it doesn't go away after. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to remember, like, you have to breathe. (laughs) You have to breathe. You have to get that oxygen to your Mm -hmm. brain because I'm really prone to freezing and I'm really prone to overthinking. Mm. And I know that happens when, like, if I'm aware, like, if I make myself just be really conscious of my body, I can feel myself holding my breath. Mm. I yeah. hold my breath and then I start to shake and then I'm like, what am I doing? And then I'm like, I just have to get out of the room. Mm-hmm. I just have to get out. So I'm still I'm still learning to breathe. Yeah. See, it's the, <laughs> it's the opposite of me, like, that going crazy and I just implode and just shut down and just need to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Like you said, escape. Yeah. I just shut down and just sit with those thoughts yeah. in my head continuously. Yeah. I'm right. a shutdowner too. Yeah, yeah. 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 full, full on. I it's it's not good. I'm a freak outer. Like I need to go for a walk. Right. <laughs> After a gap year, do you feel mm-hmm. more prepared to go back and and be successful in school, or do you? I mean, how did the gap year serve you, or? or I think it? the gap year helped me because, so like I've never I have a lot of insecurities academically. I never really felt like that smart I always felt like kind of like average a little there so like I know that I'm gonna have to put in a little more effort than my somebody who's just understands material really easy so I mean I'm prepared I know that I have to set aside time for myself to like get the work done I can't just do it the night before it's not how I work (laughs) so (laughs) but um like I'm I am still very, very anxious about it, though. Even though I've been there, I went there for, like, almost three years. But I'm just, you know, 
it freaks me out. Like being in class, I don't know. I I don't know if you guys feel it, but I get like tense in my throat and I can't speak. All the time. I cannot. Like if you were to look at me and ask me something, I. I don't know how to say anything. It's crazy. So I'm trying to work past that part. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation for Community Round. Some tips for back to school. And then we'll be right back with our guests. Hey guys, welcome to Community Rounds, the segment of the podcast where we talk about what's going on in the community and develop a plan of care. Regardless of where you're at in the nation, your kids probably just went or are getting ready to go back to school. One of the things you can do to get them prepared to go back to school is start putting them to bed earlier. About two hours before your intended bedtime, try to turn all those screens off and let them wind down. A great way to wind down is with a book. Head over to your city library and maybe get a book about the upcoming school year where the main character is a child their age getting ready to go back to school or having a a school experience. You're also going to want to schedule a well child check if you haven't already. Well child checks are done annually to assess the development physically and cognitively of your kids. For younger children, babies and preschoolers, they can be more often than annually. But for school-age kids, middle school, high schoolers, and even your college students, they should be having these wellness visits once a year. You can expect to have a discussion about immunizations, about their physical health, Habits like smoking, drinking alcohol, whether or not they're sexually active, and how to prepare for the upcoming developmental phases. Now, I know immunizations is a pretty controversial topic, but I also believe in herd immunity. Herd immunity is when most of the people around you are well, so the person who isn't able to be immunized due to an allergy or a weakened immune system doesn't have to worry about being exposed. When immunization numbers fall off, more people become ill, and it just raises the risk for the people who are not able to immunize of getting sick. We don't want our community members sick, especially our really young people and our elderly. So whether you agree to immunize or not, expect that conversation to come up. There will also be likely a head-to-toe physical examination, including a vision test and a hearing test. These are really important because when we catch things early, we can connect you to services early and you can get the help you need for your child. Lastly, if your student is an athlete, they may be asked to do some special things like duck walking or have a more extensive examination of their heart. Don't be upset if they're not cleared to play their sport. It means the clinician found something that needs further workup for your kid to safely participate. And for college students, get acquainted with your health center. Know where it is at, how to access services, what services are available. Parents, this is something you can do as well. You know you're gonna get the phone call because your student is really anxious about upcoming finals or a breakup or something else when you just can't be there. 
It's heartbreaking. It's really hard because all we want to do is parents, right? But this is their transitional period where they're learning how to become independent, self-sufficient adults, know what services are available and how to direct them to those services. All right, let's get back to the show. Do you guys ever do affirmations, like say affirmations to yourself, either silently or out loud or write them? Do you Mm -hmm. ever do that? Yeah, I do that. It's just believing what I'm saying sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what I need to hear, but just believing it and believing in myself is the struggle. Mm -hmm. I can say through practice of affirmations, um, the more you say it, the more you believe it, even if it's negative. Yeah. If you just say, uh, I'm a terrible person, you eventually believe, yeah, like, I'm a terrible person. person. If you but say he's cheating, he, and you just keep saying he's cheating, <laughs> you eventually believe that he's <laughs> cheating, no matter what he's doing. They work both ways. Yeah. But if you, but if one of them say, one of my, from a few of them, um, I am beautiful, I am a leader, I am an educator, um, just a few of them, but each time I say them, I believe it more and more and more, yeah. and then the universe, um, reciprocates that energy and I meet you all beautiful people so look at that I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at that. Mm-hmm. we have an old church saying to speak those things that are not as though they are mm-hmm. and um, you know when you grow up I grew up in church so I grew up reciting scripture yep. mm-hmm. and one of the things that I, I think that has kind of fallen off they yeah. don't teach memorization of scripture like yeah. they did when I was a kid but when you say those things over and over and over and over and over and over Oh, they're there. And then you believe them and you find almost like the voice that telling you something that you have been saying all this time. Mm-hmm. So I would really encourage, you know, mm-hmm. affirmations. Whatever it is that you want to believe about yourself, you know, write it down. This is who I want to be. I want to be blank. Mm-hmm. I want to be this. Mm-hmm. I want to be that. And then take the want to be and say am. Mm-hmm. I am this. I um, am that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a... So, like... Just throughout my life, I always felt I would be in this setting, but um, the universe has prepared me for this now. Which I always setting? Knew, Which just, setting do you mean? Um, speaking about different things, um, having a camera on me, <laughs> um, speaking to the pod, the microphone. Um, I just knew I would always be in this setting. I felt it. Yeah. But the universe, God, has a beautiful way of not just throwing you in those environments when you aren't ready. And the yeah. knowledge I obtained in my past to now has prepared me. And yeah, this is a this you're gonna be a teacher. Yeah. What would you say to young you? Um. Freshman you. Uh. Enjoy the journey. The reward is in it. Um. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't feel like you have to change everyone's life. Mm, um, that's a word. Yeah. 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 You every, each, even if it's your family, because you feel like, oh, that's my sister. I gotta help her climb out of whatever. Or my brother climb out. My mom. They all are on their individual journey. So it's just tell myself that. Just if you don't take care of yourself, then you won't be able to take care of anyone. That's what I would tell my younger self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your younger self heard you. He's hearing you. <laughs> <laughs> well. We are in the profession. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I practice in cardiology during the day, but I love um, primary care. And so I want to kind of tie things up with asking, 
what services are available through your campus or in your community that you know about um, and how you will access those services when you need them. And, um, and if you don't know, that's fine because I know some people <laughs> can help with that. And when I say services, young people very rarely, very, very rarely um, is it a physical health condition. So get it out of your mind to think, I got to be sick. I got to have some chronic ailment to go in. No, no, no. With young people, we don't even go there first. And I'll use an example that's, that's more and more common, but young men will say, I can't get an erection. I can't, you know, achieve or maintain an erection. Well, there's diabetes that can cause that. There's vascular disease that can cause that. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff. But young people, it's performance anxiety is a term that we use. It's in your, you're in your head too much. You're overthinking, you're, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of things work that way. So you may not have the language to say, um, I just, I'm not sleeping good. I wake up at 3 o'clock every morning for no good reason, and I'm tired. I want to be asleep, but I can't sleep. That's actually a reason to access care. That's actually a reason to go and talk to somebody. Or if you just want to sleep all the time, that's actually a reason to, you know, seek out your health center or your primary care provider or, or you know, even family, someone in the family, and just let them know kind of what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Do you all know how to access care, where it is? And, you, and you're shaking your head I no, don't. and you're the I veteran. Don't. Wow. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. Um, I rely on myself for a lot. I think going to Arizona at 18, um, I felt like I couldn't call back home because I was the first one, first generation, so mm. I couldn't show my weakness. Mm -hmm. I couldn't show. I had to let my family know that I'm strong enough to maintain this on, on my own and you won't hear from me. But, um, yeah, just... I guess my, uh, myself, I am my own service, but I know that's not healthy. Um, I've matured, and I understand that that's not healthy, and it hasn't worked. So, Do you no, know what services are available to you on campus? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I, don't. I don't think that's very uncommon. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? What, would you, what do you do if you have a, a um, mental health or a physical health concern? I mean, I don't really struggle in that way just because I've lived here for a long time so I kind of know where everything is and like because of you as mom <laughs> see I never added you this whole time I didn't say you were my child <laughs> they can see but um that's like that's part of why it's hard to sometimes go in because I've like you know the image of my parents and like the family so I just kind of don't want to be like let anyone know that something's wrong mm. the fear of like people finding out that something's wrong and it getting back because even when I went to sign up for my classes at um Whatcom they're just like oh my gosh we love your mom we're so happy to have you and it's like cool <laughs> I just want to sign up for classes and maybe be left alone because yeah. mom's an extrovert big time you are and, and you people are I not. think expect that out of me and I'm like mm -mm. don't talk to me <laughs> do you know how to access service Michelle um I feel like it wouldn't be difficult to find out I just haven't done it yet um 
I haven't accessed the services on campus. Um, I do have a primary care provider, but unfortunately, she is in Oak Harbor. Yeah. So I don't often get to see her. <laughs> right. It, it could be just months at a time that I know I have some kind of concern, and I either tell myself it'll pass or it's not a big deal. Sometimes I schedule an appointment and then go, but I literally don't feel well enough to drive to mm. Oak Harbor. I'm Ooh. having a terrible, terrible week, a terrible day, a terrible month, and then I just cancel the appointment just mm. because I don't. Self-care in that moment is not making the drive. The heads are nodding. Wow. I'm going to turn <laughs> Did you know, Dr. Ledbetter over here. This is what we talk about. <laughs> is how to um, sort of get the word out. So every college campus has a counseling center. Um, almost every college campus has a counseling center. So some community colleges have access to resources and partnerships they all have, just about all of them have counseling centers that provide um, sort of groups and baseline health in terms of support for depression and anxiety. Um, they also see students with, you know, more advanced, um, you know, mental issues. But they also all have student health centers, right? And so student health centers do deal with everything from making sure you're immunized to treating you for all kinds of physical ailments. And then the partnerships extend beyond that. So if you need psychotropic drugs or psychoactive drugs, you may get that at your health center, but you yeah, also... I know that. Yeah. I know what my health center is, but I didn't know it had... Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. We have licensed psychiatrists. We have um, nurse practitioners, psychiatric nurse practitioners. Um, then all of the baseline sort of providers, medical providers... In the counseling center, there are mental health counselors at the master's level and psychologists at the um, PhD level. So there is a whole range of providers that are mm -hmm. out there, you know, just available yeah. to you free as a part of your student health fee. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's prevention services. So those are the group of people on campus that do things like prevention, any, anything related to prevention. So self-care, they may do things like sponsor a meditation group or give you tools. We call it step care. So first level is prevention services, how to protect yourself, safe sex, sexually productive health, and all of those other things. And then the next level might be either physical health or emotional health. And can I, and can so, I interject from behind the camera? Yeah, back yeah here? sure. The sexual health thing is usually how I meet a lot of the that's college right. students. That's right. And we talk, that's such a small part of what we talk about in our visits because they didn't know that they could come about their sleep, mm -hmm. that they could come about that's their eating right. habits, so suddenly yeah, don't have an appetite or suddenly want to eat that's everything right. in sight, or they used to enjoy, you know, hanging with their friends or doing things with their family, and suddenly, they, you know, they just don't want to do that stuff anymore. So we end up talking about everything else, but that's usually that's how right. I meet the college wow. students is because they're itching. <laughs> That's right. And we take care of that too. And and you will get some loving counsel as well, That's you know, right. with that. Yeah. 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 So now that you know, are you more likely to access the services or I'm more likely to look into it. Okay. <laughs> we'll take yeah. that. Uh, yes. I, I agree. Um Yeah. I'm more likely to look into it, but that human aspect we talk about, mm -hmm. but huge. when you meet someone, you connect with them. Then, oh, you're, a, you're a, whatever you're, a, whatever your label may be, 
oh, now I can share it with you because I know you at the personable level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll definitely look into it. Good. That's awesome. Did y'all grow up going to doctors and nurses? Did your yeah. parents? Yeah. I see one no, and I see some nods. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. And did you connect with them? Um... No, it was mainly about health, like shots yeah. and yeah. things of that nature. Nothing, yeah, no Did counseling. Did you connect, Raya? Like, about feelings? <laughs> yeah, feelings. Oh, no. No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what What would you want to tell, just kind of like what you were saying to Dr. Sis about the administrators, what would you want the health care providers to know or, or to be cognizant of prior to you coming into their space? Um, Which that, is your space too? <laughs> uh, just you, a healthcare provider, correct? But a lot of times we as people uh, perform roles. If you are, if you are, if you work at McDonald's, you're behind a cash register. Your hello, how you doing? Won't be as um, natural as mm-hmm. if I was to say it to Michelle. You know, so right, um, right. Just understand that this is a human. Mm-hmm. This is a person, and um, yeah, yeah. it's. It's that. It's a human, it's a person. Human uh, interaction uh, should be organic as possible. Yeah. 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 Ladies, anything you want to say to the healthcare providers that you may seek out and find or that you're thinking about, (laughs) Michelle? Um, I think the biggest thing would be, you know, willingness to listen and don't, don't make assumptions. I feel like sometimes, I mean... More recently, maybe not so much growing up, but in more recent times, when I go to see a provider, there's a lot of, like, loaded questions, I would say, or a lot of assumptions about my lifestyle or my upbringing or my hobbies. And just be... <laughs> just be open-minded. Don't assume anything. Yeah. You, you can ask if it's relevant, but don't don't assume anything. Yeah. You're going to be a wonderful nurse. I yeah, hope so. Are. Just wonderful. I gotta survive another year. <laughs> the second year is not as bad as the first year. Yeah. And um, no, you'll be fantastic. And we'll talk. We'll exchange information. I'm around. Yeah. And I went through it recently. Uh, you know, I'm ten years, ten years in in nursing. So, not that long ago. You can do it, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I, I'll tell you real quick one thing that happened in one of my nursing classes that almost took me out. And when you listen to how small of a thing this was in comparison to my life now, which I absolutely adore, we had a pretty diverse class. And, we, I mean, the whole globe was covered. Languages, continents, all of that. And I was the extrovert, you know, so we had um, fancy Fridays and... You know, we would all dress up. Because, you know, you wear scrubs all the time. So it was like, oh, fancy Friday. We was coming through in our heels, faces, just because, right? And I said, we should do a potluck. And everybody rep your culture for the potluck. How cool would that be? We had Sinhalese kids. We had, um, you know, East Indian, Hispanic, Eastern European, American, African. I mean, everybody's there. Russian. They said, um, the teacher of my class. My instructor said, well, that'll be easy for you. You can just go to Hagen's and get some fried chicken. No. If that weren't bad enough, my entire class erupted into laughter. So I can tell you, as far as feeling small, 
and feeling like you don't belong and feeling like who yeah. are my like who's my people up in here because all y'all are laughing at something that was really stupid actually you know mm. but hang in there stay with it we'll exchange information we're here we're out here yeah. every time you see somebody who looks like you higher up working in the community we've been there and done that and everybody's not going to act like it. Some people are going to turn their nose up at you. <laughs> let them, let them. <laughs> but some of us absolutely adore you and know how brave you're being and know how much this means to you personally and how much it means to ex your extended family, everyone connected to you. Um, and we're here. And we'll make time. We'll make time. I know I can say that 100%. Y'all have my number, and, and I know other people, too, that have been there and done all of that. And we have a good time, don't That's we? Right. That's right. <laughs> a human good time. That's right. We're not sitting up just talking, you know, facts and number crunching. And, well, what's your plan? And where are you on your plan? Mm -hmm. No, we're, we're talking about life. <laughs> you know, so stick with it and reach out. You know, it's it's great if you can meditate and be by yourself and be comfortable like that, but life's not meant for us to go mm -hmm. through individually. You know, we need each other, and we're here. And I want to thank all of you so much. Um, listeners, <laughs> I put this grandiose plan together, and I was the one <laughs> who was how many hours late? I got stuck at the hospital. It's a call weekend for me, and um, it was busy there, but I'm just... I'm actually really glad at how it turned out. I think yeah. everything happens a certain way for a reason. And I'm glad you yeah. all got to connect oh, yeah. and talk. It was really and good. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. We'll have to check in once yeah. the school year is rolling and, and everybody's getting their footing. Mm -hmm. We'll have to get together again. Thank you so much for sharing Thank such you. personal Thank you. stories. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Instagram Live, that's all we have for you. You can... Tune into the podcast now on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean. My manager told me last week, he says, okay, YouTube is the second most searched engine next to Google. So we got to get you on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Do you know that it was already there? Oh, Listen, good. when I tell y'all I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just stepping out, trying to provide good. something that I wish was there for me. <laughs> and just like you said, God is just going before me and, and paving the way, making it easy. But I could not do it without you guys and without listeners. So thank you, everybody who tuned in, who watched, who listened. And we'll be back next week. Take good care. listening to the purple stethoscope i'm your host devin nixon family nurse practitioner you can find me on social media at d the np that's on twitter facebook instagram and now patreon if you like what you heard go ahead and share this episode and then head over to patreon to see how you can further support this work <laughs>